I feel like summer helps me remember what Sally Breedlove says about rest, that rest is allowing the present to be imperfect. And I think for me, summer teaches me that maybe more than any other time of the year. Oh, this summer teaching you anything? Oh, yeah, I just learned uh, this summer that Bubba Burgers now come in a bacon and cheddar cheese version because I guess the regular Bubba Burger just isn't rich enough, huh? Okay, there's there's other things, too, that summer can teach, right? Welcome to the Hopeology Podcast. I'm Gary, dad of Michaelin and Emily, and together we're a family of hopers. We try to chip away discouragement and find delight right now in our homes and families and souls. This episode, What Only Summer Can Teach Me. Oh man, I thought school was out for the summer. No, we don't have to learn, only if we want to, right? And along the way, you're going to get Don Ho, the Brady Bunch Go to Hawaii episode, an Instagram public service announcement, a tip from the pool float connoisseur, and why we love and hate Street View. Plus, don't miss the last three minutes to hear how Emily offers the swirl of life into the presence of God and how to give things inside you room to breathe. Wow, all that in less than a half hour. Let's go. (laughs) Okay, well, one thing that comes to mind of what only summer can teach me is how to make small talk. Because every summer, the pool opens and we have to go to the pool. And I always take a book and my beach bag, but then I never read it because we know so many people at the pool that I talk the whole time (laughs) and it's great because I love the people at the pool, but I also, it's not like you're going to get in this deep conversation at the pool because usually because the kids run up and they need their goggles and it's rest period every 50 minutes, not 15, but 50, like every hour we have a rest period. And so they come and they want snacks. So it's just sort of like an activity thing. But I realized that sometimes when I come home from the pool, I'm exhausted, like flat out exhausted. And all I did is sit on my big high knee and sweat and talk to someone. (laughs) Because that's why. Because you're an introvert. Because I'm an introvert and it takes a lot of effort. Like I'm pretty good at small talk, but I kind of have to get back into the groove of it. And every summer, like in May when the pool opens, I forget. And then I have to re-remember every summer. That- I thought you were going to say small talk because you go to the pool and there's all new people there. So you're going to be making small talk with people you don't know. But you're talking about making small talk with people you know already know. Yeah, I don't talk to people I don't know. <laughs> um, you don't? But I, I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Me either. People do that. <laughs> yeah. Chad does I it all the time. By choice. <laughs> I talk to people I don't know, but not for any extended period of time to where it would wear me out, you know, unless they're at my house for a party. But then I know them and I don't have parties. <laughs> That's <laughs> so interesting. That you know what? When we were when we were in Indiana over the weekend for the wedding in the old Columbus, the old hometown, and we were walking around downtown with Tracy and Laura, my brother, his wife. And there was a guy standing there. There was going to be some kind of festival. And so we started chatting with him. But we ended up standing there and talking for 10 or 15 minutes. He told us why he moved to Columbus and heard his story of living wherever he lived in Chicago. And Laura was from Chicago, so they made a connection and how he'd come to this small town. And then he called his wife and liked it. And then they would visit there and they'd meet halfway with the relatives there. And anyway, it went on. And when we got done, Tracy, my brother, said, you know, I, I keep forgetting to do that. I keep forgetting how much I'm missing when I don't do that and just engage a stranger in a conversation and then, you know, make a a human connection and meet somebody new and hear something that's going on with somebody that's not me. 
It's funny because it's all in your context. I, because of my job and what I do, if I'm at an event or if I'm at a book signing or if I'm at something where we all are there for a common reason, it's so much easier for some reason for me to engage in conversation with people because we have this common thing. Um, or if we're all at a, even like a Bible study or something like that where, not that I'm leading it, but like if I'm just there, sometimes that helps. But just being at the pool <laughs> isn't, I guess, common enough for it not to wear me out. It's too routine. Or you're going there to relax anyway, though, really, right? Yeah, it's I not think something that might new. be part of it, too. Yeah, is my expectation of going. And Can't you see I've got a book? And earbuds? And I'm not looking up? <laughs> yes, I need to start sometimes, not every time, because I like people, but um, to start just wearing my earbuds, but then just tucking the end of it into my bathing suit, so... I don't even have to, like, listen to anything, because sometimes I can't read if there's noise. But I'll just wear them like earplugs. Right. <laughs> really? Terrible. Cut oh, that part out. <laughs> if I had a tattoo, really? it would be earbuds. <laughs> <laughs> you, have to, you have to do it sometimes. Yeah. But you're just not going to do it as often as maybe somebody else. And that's not, a ba- that's not bad. It's okay to be that way. Because it might be that if you talk to people for two hours at the pool, then when you come home, yeah. you're really mean to your family. <laughs> yeah, okay, it's like you worked. It's like you've been you're worn out. Almost. You just had a job, yeah. and it was a lot of work. And everybody else had fun and did it the way that they like to do it, but you're not allowed to do it the way you like to do it because you don't like to talk to people. <laughs> well, your talk quota gets used up quicker than other people. Really so quickly. You might not want to spend yeah. it at the pool. So what a gift to right. them to not waste your talk quota on someone by putting your earbuds in. <laughs> well, I've learned something from my pool, too. My pool is the opposite in every way. Our pool's held together literally with clear duct tape and hot glue. But when I get on a raft in the pool and close my eyes, remember we talked with Leanna Tankersley. We did podcasts with her back in the fall. And I think it was her, it might have been you, Emily, that said, when you do yoga, like when you try to balance, your brain can't think about other things. So that's how it is when I'm on a float in the pool. Because when you're floating in the pool and the sun's shining, you can't feel stressed or chaotic or anything. You just feel really relaxed because you're floating on water. So now I can't do that any other time of the year except summer. But that's my favorite thing. And it's quiet. I have turned the pump off when I'm in the pool because the pump is too loud. Uh, Plus, our pump is like 150 years old, so it's really loud. Sounds like a a tugboat. So do you hear birds and stuff? Yeah, I hear cicadas and birds. Lots of cicadas. Mm -hmm. I got to get over to your house and get in the pool. I told Dad he must come and float in every float. We have all of these honky-tonk floats. We have a tire. We have another kind of tire. (laughs) We have a pink raft that... (laughs) Slowly lets out water, but it's nice because it's kind of like a sleep by number bed, only a dollar kind for the pool because you get to. It's not sleep by number, it's just sleep number. Okay. Carry on. I don't have one, right. so I would know fancy oh, pants right. bed people. Anyway, sleep by paint by number. <laughs> all my life, I've been doing pool floats wrong. I've been blowing them up all the way. No. Here's a handy tip for everyone with a dollar pool float. Don't inflate well, only it all the way. <laughs> yes. That's right. Okay, mine has a leak in it. And when it's half inflated is the best because you don't want to lay on the float. You want to lay in the float, like in, in the, the water. So when it's half inflated, 
that is the perfect I could teach a whole course on how to float in pools now but it's wonderful because like half your body is in the pool huh it's kind of like a recliner you're a float connoisseur now yes so that half inflated that must that must really mean you get something big out of it it's wonderful for you to have paid so much attention yes so well all my life I feel like even when the ever since the boys were little that was always a big thing like I would save money all winter so that we could join our little local public pool one year I cried when it closed it just meant at the end of the year you mean yeah because it was just that it was the one savior of our summer of sanity with three little boys running around yeah they need to get energy you can't be outside when it's 100 degrees unless you're in water Mm -hmm. So to be able to go to the pool was always wonderful. But now we try to get in it every single day just because it's really worth it to ourselves. Uh, something Summer has taught me is that the fog that you see early in the morning was has not been there all night. And sometimes it's only been there like a couple of minutes. But you wouldn't know that if you didn't get up early to watch a sunrise and you wouldn't get up early to watch a sunrise probably if it wasn't summer because it'd be too cold but like when i saw that first time i ever saw that happen and saw the fog come it happened within like one or two minutes no and it was just as it was starting to get light but before the sun comes up and suddenly the fog it was like (laughs) down in the trees and the valley and all all of a sudden there was the fog Really? And it came over like a two-minute period or so. And then the sun burned it off. I thought it collected all night long. No. It's as if there's a moment when the conditions are just right, and all of a sudden this cloud on the ground forms. That's it's funny. like the Truman Show. Cue fog machine. <laughs> you know, something that's you think has been there. Maybe it's only been there a minute. It was fascinating. That is fascinating. We watched the sunrise at the beach when we were there a couple weeks ago and I feel like I learned something we were on Hilton Head in South Carolina which is at the coast and the sunrise is kind of like to the left of the beach but just because of the way the land is Um, but I think sunrise time was 618 or something like this and then when we came home to Greensboro in North Carolina six hours uh, away the sunrise here is earlier than the sunrise in Hilton Head and I thought that is so strange because Hilton Head's on the beach and we're inland. So how is it possible? Like, isn't oh. it the further east that you are? Yeah. But then I looked at a map and because of the North Carolina coastline juts out and then it goes in for the South Carolina coastline, that it is possible that Greensboro might be slightly further east than Hilton Head. I looked at the map and it was just like, it is. Hilton Head is further west than Greensboro. You think of the beach as being a line, you know, but really, I mean, there's, when you go to the beach, sometimes it's like facing south or facing north, depending on what beach you're at, you know. We watched the sunrise in Santa Barbara and it came up over the water. And let me tell you how much that made me feel crazy. That is weird. (laughs) But it's because Santa Barbara juts out into the ocean and then there's water. It's like you're looking kind of southish. It's very strange. You have to stare at a map to get it. And even then, my head's been spun a little bit. (laughs) It's so weird. But I feel like that's why I really like the Weather Channel or watching weather or maps. It's just because I like to, it grounds me to know where I am on the map. (laughs) Like, which direction is where? Right. How does this work? Well, you You know, know, like when you go on trips, when we were growing up and we didn't have phones or anything, we would just stare at the map forever. Oh, yeah. That was the thing to do. You stared at the map? 
Yes. Even Chad, like when we were first married, I can remember him bringing the map in from the car and just looking at it for Mm. eerily long periods of time. Because you had to, like, memorize it because you're not going to pull out a big 8 by 10 foot map in your car (laughs) to try to read where you're going. (laughs) So you have to, like, write it down or know. You don't have someone saying, turn left. How did we do it back then? Did people I don't just know how hold we up survived. paper maps while they drove? Were yes. There, no, you pulled like, over and did it. Don't map and drive you pulled campaigns. O- <laughs> <laughs> somebody had to navigate. You had to have somebody with you. I remember the first time I went good. somewhere, and you, and before I went on the trip, instead of looking at the map, you know, you look at your phone, and you might look at Street View, and you go, okay, when I come off the exit, it's going to look like this, and then I'm going to get down at the bottom, and it's going to look like this, and then I'm going to turn down, I'm going to turn left at this landmark. I remember the first time I ever did that. I did it at home before we left, and then when we got there, it was so weird, because it was like you had been there. Hi, <laughs> wait a you minute. You didn't have to look at anything. You go, okay, I'm going to come down here, and there's going to be a thing here, and then I'm going to turn left, and there's going to be a hotel here, a gas station over there, and you've never been there, but you actually already went on the trip a little bit. Do you ever type in the address and look at their house before you go so you know? Oh, yeah. Then you feel a little weird doing that? No. I do. Why? Like you're spying or something? Yeah. Well, it's public information. I know. It just feels weird. Um, excuse me. <laughs> what? I've never done that in my yeah, whole life. You can do that if you're... Yeah. I know you can't do that. I've just not done it. Like to go to someone's house. Well, I if you do, you'll that. feel weird. <laughs> okay. Really? <laughs> yes. So I don't do it because it makes me feel weird. The other day when we were in Indiana, in Columbus for the wedding, and I was thinking in the morning about how uh, close everything is, because it's a small town, right? I mean, anywhere you're going to go, you're going to get there in five or ten minutes. But when you were growing up there, and when or when you lived there, it seemed like a half hour everywhere, you know? And so I was wondering, like, how far are we now from uh, where we used to live, you know, on West Line Drive? And so I, you know, it was like seven minutes or some crazy thing. But then I started using Street View. I thought, I'll just look at the old house real quick. And the house looked, remember when we went to the reunion? How the old house was, everybody else's house on the street looked like it did back 30 years ago, you know? But no, our house had to change. The house that we grew up in, they had to have a contractor live there who had to monkey it all up and change (laughs) everything to where it looked completely different. (laughs) Toys and cars scattered all over, you know? But this time when I looked on Street View, I looked, I go, that doesn't look bad. This is how I remember our house. Did you drive over there and see it? And the yard was clean and everything. Well, then I realized I was looking at the wrong house. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I there even snapped a picture on my phone to say, this isn't bad. I want to remember oh. it this way. It was Ron Little's house down the street. And oh, so Ron I, Little. Yeah. And then, so <laughs> then, I went, then I went down the street and looked at our house. Nope. There it is. <laughs> the clown house. <laughs> With all the stuff added, the cars in the uh, yard. Yeah. So I hate Street View. <laughs> <laughs> well, that went real right. quick to me. Reminds you of things you don't want to be reminded of. <laughs> when I was reading Thomas Merton's um, autobiography, The Seven Story Mountain, he wrote it in the, oh gosh, the 40s, I think. Who is it? But Thomas Merton. Merton. Oh, yeah. He's a, like a spiritual guy, right? Yeah. He was a, a monk. Um, a but monk. he okay. wrote about his childhood home in New York City. And he, said the street names and he described the house so i got on street view for that like to see it because i wanted to picture it and it, he said it was across the street from a park and all this stuff and it was very interesting i think i narrowed it down to one of a few wow so i did it for that but i've never done it like 
be like, okay, I'll see y'all tonight at six at your house. But I've already seen your house. (laughs) Well, it helps you to know. It's not private. But I can now. I will now. It's not like you're looking at their checkbook or something. It's not like you're going in the house. Dad, remember when we used to... (laughs) <laughs> Remember when we used to follow Tony Detroit on Instagram? Yeah. And you were like, I think I know where he lives <laughs> because of where <laughs> all his photos were taken. Where what? Because he his photographs in Detroit. Where he lives. Oh, yeah, so yeah. you figured out where he lived. Yeah, I knew because I, mean, I lived in Detroit. so I knew you had the, to do deep research. No, I knew where the landmarks were. Funny. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you like could figure it out. How specific did you get to where you think oh, he Oh, a lives. block or two, probably. Probably mm. within a block or so. Well, he had told. He had said where he lived. Well, let me tell you this. This is a public service announcement. Um, I signed up. Emily told me, you told me about that. If this, then that app, you know, for if you put something on Instagram and you want it to automatically go to Twitter, you can set it up to do all types of little recipes. Like if I post something on Facebook, it'll automatically, you know, post something on Twitter or Instagram. Or you can, if the weather is going to be below 69 degrees, email me in the morning. You can set up a million crazy things. Well, there was one, and I think I'm going to turn it off because I feel like a stalker, but it's if someone in, and then you fill in the zip code, puts something on Instagram, then you'll get an email of all those pictures. So I did it because I wanted to see if my boys were geotagged or whatever that is for their Instagram because I want to always make sure that you can't tell. And it's all these kids from my boys' school, but it's crazy. It just makes you realize what someone could figure out if they're in your neighborhood and put in your zip code Hmm. and you're geotagging. They could get an email every morning of all your little Instagrams and not even know who you are. But I see people and they're taking pictures outside their house and I know where they live because I pass their house all the time and recognize, you know, that Bronco or whatever it is, that four-wheeler that's been sitting out. Oh, and so you recognize them on the pictures. Yeah, like I'm like, oh, that person lives there. right around the corner. That's weird. Hmm. So all the That's killers who are of... listening to us, I was going to say, gave either a, a PSA or <laughs> I've <tip>. just given <laughs> killer tip. Oh my gosh! I know it's so weird. <laughs> I would never think of that, but yeah, it's there are people who would crazy. think of it. Not very many, but yeah, not very many. I feel like the real killers are too busy sitting in their car stalking you than like getting technical with it you think (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. they're sitting in their windowless van parked somewhere with their shifty eyes (laughs) and their cape cut this part out (laughs) we need to review what stranger who strangers really are and what they look like (laughs) back to the sunrise a, a picture of a, a photo of a sunrise, that's like a picture of a moment, but it's actually been a whole show, right? So we know it's been a show for like 45 minutes or an hour, but you think it's just been that one thing. It's easy to, it's easy to do that with people and circumstances or something that someone says or some way that they've acted to just take that one surface thing that they just did and come to some conclusion that that's all there is about what they said and where that came from when actually there's a whole context and whole story behind it before something came out of their mouth or before some circumstance came up. There's more to it than just that one photograph. Well, it's true because whenever I take a photo of a sunrise, I mean, if you look at my phone my phone camera feed, whenever I go watch a sunrise, it's ridiculous. All the, all the pictures, there's like 45 photos 
of the sun in various different positions because you keep thinking, oh, this is the prettiest it's going to get, and then it gets prettier, whatever. But not, but you're right. It's like none of it really captures it. It's always disappointing. Like whenever I look at the photo, I'm always a little. It's like, oh, that's not quite it. But it's because it's not video. It's just an yeah. image, one moment. I feel like summer helps me remember what Sally Breedlove says about rest. That rest is allowing the present to be imperfect. And I think for me, summer teaches me that maybe more than any other time of the year. Because it gives me the opportunity to let the present be imperfect and enjoy my people in the moments and slow down a little bit. I love your Sally Breed love. You got me into her. And I love that quote. And I love what she talks about the difference between recreation and amusement. And a few years ago, Chad and I realized for our vacations, we were doing too much amusement and not enough recreation or recreation. And amusement leaves you kind of exhausted and tired and like buzzing and shaking. Uh, Recreation rebuilds you and makes you appreciate what's around you and recreates you. So we try to be a little more thoughtful. Like what? Can you remember what you do different then? What was amusement and what was uh, recreation? Well, I mean, clearly amusement parks, if you just want to take the word at face value. So going to Six Flags is fun, but it's exhausting in a thousand ways. Whereas going camping and then letting the boys explore a creek and taking the dog with us and just sitting around a fire was recreation. So as we thought about next year, we want to take a big family vacation because Landis is going to be graduating from high school we want to make sure we do focus on recreation instead of amusement so what are you going to do well we hope to go out west west of the mississippi (laughs) on our covered wagon (laughs) m-i-s-s-i crook letter crook letter i (laughs) so maybe yellowstone i don't know yosemite it has to start with a y whatever it is And you can take the Brady Bunch uh, Hawaii trips yes. uh, shows with you, too. Yes, where they find that evil rock thing, and it brings them bad luck. <laughs> Did you remember this, that yes, music? Yes, that creepy little, little jingle that came. Music. And what was the thing called that they had? It had an, Remember they called it something? Yes, like the emblem or no. No, but it was the... We have to look oh, it up. was it? Yeah, oh, yeah, the Brady remember Bunch M? thing? It was such a big deal. They had like two episodes. It was like a to be. Right. It was to be continued. It was such a major deal. (laughs) The uh, it was called it's called something like the charm thing or it had a name. It had a name. Everyone in the family is excited when Mike tells them that his company is sending them to Honolulu. Until they come across the idol and recognize idol. It as a yes. taboo idol of evil to anyone who touches it. Beyond the luck Bobby yeah. and Cindy have in meeting island entertainer Don Ho while the idol is in Bobby's possession, near catastrophes end up occurring. They had to learn on their own. They did. Tiny bubbles in your wine. It's Don Ho. <laughs> I thought Don Ho was a made up character. No, Don Ho was real. Don Ho is hyperlinked. He's a real (laughs) Hawaiian star. Oh, Oh, gosh. He was before uh, Israel Kawakawakawak. Remember him? Oh, yeah. Summer has taught me that no matter what season you're in, the seeds of the next season are already there and are already 
going on and the 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 change that's going to come has already started you just can't see it yet because when it gets to be like the beginning of august and you feel like it's the middle of summer and it's so hot and it's been summer forever and it's always going to be summer and it's never going to end because you know it's not ending in just the next couple of weeks but already the days are shorter and the nights are longer and already all the momentum has begun that's going to uh that you'll see soon but you don't know it yet. You don't feel like it yet. That encourages me sometimes when something's going on that I don't really like, because I know that there can be things that have already changed are already changing. I just don't see them yet. And they're picking up momentum. And then it's Christmas. <laughs> kind of like what you just said. Yeah. For me, it always feels like summer's here and it's like a destination, but it's pr- pretty short, really. And it's just it's like a transitional time to the next thing. And so one thing I feel like I learn every summer. Because with our kids' school age, it, sorry, I'm being Mrs. Barnhorst and telling you about the project before I tell you what the project is. Um, our art teacher in elementary school, remember, she would like be like, and get out your scissors. And now get some glue. And here's the paper. And Michael would be like, pulling what my hair out. Show us the final product, please. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so um, here's the thing. I'm, I've learned fun and excitement can live in the same house as anxiety. And that the beautiful parts of life don't cancel out the hard parts of life. I think sometimes I think it either has to, I'm like, it's got to, it's either this or it's that. But sometimes summer is the blending of all colors and of the, you know, for us this year, the girls finished fifth grade and it was like a big milestone and now they're headed to middle school, but we've got this time here in the middle and it's a time to maybe learn some things that we're not going to. We're going to learn different things when they start middle school. But right now, it's sort of a transition time of holding holding that in-between celebration of finishing something, maybe some anxiety, um, and not pushing that anxiety down, but letting it rise up to the surface. And for me, offering it into the presence of God, um, instead of thinking, oh, but this is supposed, summer's supposed to be fun, and it's supposed to be great, and it is. But I also... I feel more grounded in myself when I name and recognize some of those um, tensions within me. Like what? So that I can, even just today, I drove by the path that we usually take to walk the kids to school. And I was happy inside that I wasn't super sad about it in that moment because I thought, you know what? The girls are ready. They're ready for the next thing. And I was sort of happy for that. And then I thought in my head too, like, Oh, but I'm kind of sad about that too. That 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 those times are over for them, and that they're not walking to that school anymore because they're done with that school. And so, I think sometimes I wish I could just sort of bulldoze through and just okay, well, it's the next thing. Like John's mom is like not very sentimental. She is in a way like she loves people and has photographs and stuff, but she just she just doesn't hang on to things and like a pining way like oh this or oh that she's just kind of holds things lightly and I really admire that but I think instead of me wishing that part of me away I need to embrace it and be like this is how I made this is who I am and um and sort of move with it instead of trying to stuff it does that make any sense sure when you say you uh, offer it into the presence of God what do you do is that like you go outside out and back a full moon you hold your hands in the Maybe. air but usually not. Yeah. I mean, how do you <laughs> no, do that? I, I, I do it a few different ways. I will sit in the quiet in the morning when 
it's still kind of darkish. Lately, though, the sun comes up way too early, but um, before anybody else is up. And I'll sit, and I'll just sort of think of all the things that are sort of swirling. Sometimes I'll think about it before I go to bed because I'll – you know how sometimes you're going through the day and something bugs you, but you don't stop right then because you don't have time? So at the end of the day, you think back over the day, and you think about, okay, there are a few things today. It's almost like there's a line, but then there's a cut in the line. It's in my head. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so you think about those moments in the line. What were those moments? And and I th- think through them. And then I sometimes write. I just list them out, like literally make a bullet point type of list. Like when this happened, I felt this way. When this happened, I felt this way. Because the writing it down helps me kind of process through it. Um, and sometimes You do that I'll for your s- emotions, huh? Yeah, I do. Wow. I just do that for I stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Things that I have to do or that I did. That's interesting. You do it about how, ways that you feel. I do because it helps me move forward because if I don't do it and for a too long of a time, like if it's a week or two, I start to feel um, stuffed, you know, like clogged up. <laughs> it's like I can't relate as the person I most fully am if I'm holding on to some things inside and haven't given them room to breathe. Like we were at the beach for seven days with our family and it wasn't just our family, but it was John's whole sort of sister, brother, kids. So there were seven adults and seven kids and it was so fun. It was great. But there wasn't a lot of space for that type of thing. And let me tell you what, I went into that vacation fully aware that this is the type, all vacations are not created equally. We've talked about this. I was fully aware this was a time for family, connecting with family. It's fine. Um, but when I came home and there were a few days of like chaos of just getting back to the groove of home, when I looked over the last you know 10 days, it had been 10 really full days with a lot of people. And we know I'm kind of more of an introvert. So I just, I was starting to feel really like twisty on the inside and I just needed some space, some margin a little bit. And when I took that, I just, it's like I started to feel like myself and I could it just made me able to have some elbow room in my soul so that I could then have room for other people or for tasks or different things well summer teaches me that What's the summer teaching you, huh? To connect with Michaelin, visit thenester.com. To connect with Emily, visit chattingatthesky.com. To connect with our family, visit hopology.com. Thanks for listening to the Hopology Podcast.